Good morning, Community Church. I just don't have much of a voice, sorry. Good morning, family. Good morning, family on this side. Good morning, family on this side. Welcome to Community Church this morning. If you're visiting here, thanks for coming this morning. Join in with the rest of the family as we worship and so forth. I want to call Murray up if he's around. And of course, right at that moment, Murray has been... Oh, there he is. Murray's got something I want you to hear. Um, So just uh, in pre-service prayer, we're just... uh, I think it's just this relationship between uh, fathers and sons and uh, the father and the daughters. And uh, there's a point in our lives, and I've been there many, many times, where when you're wounded, when you're hurting, when you're orphaned, God will seek you out. He will come and find you. And he will walk you through those things. But I want to call a responsibility to those who are coming into the fullness of sonship and daughtership that it is ours to seek the Father. It is the glory of kings to seek out a matter, and it's ours as sons and daughters to seek the Father, to pursue him. He is no longer pursuing us. We, we have the responsibility to step in and pursue him. So if we can do that together, if we can pursue him together and seek his face. So no matter what condition you're in this morning, the Lord is near. He'll go after the brokenhearted, but if you're a son or a daughter, come running. Don't hold back. Don't look at what happened this week. Don't look at what happened this morning. Come running. Father's ready. He's near this morning to everyone. So let's go after him. So just feeling the ministry of God's presence in the room right now. And I think for some of us, we, we kind of don't even know what to do with the ministry of his presence. It's like, should I say something? Uh, do I need to perform for you? I don't know. And you know what I'm feeling and sensing is just what Miranda is singing about, is about this idea of fellowshipping with God, being in relationship with him. When I come and sit at the table with my family and we eat a meal together, I don't feel obligated to act a certain way. I don't feel obligated to perform for them. I don't come to the table and think about all the things I did wrong in my day, so therefore, I'm not okay to be at the table eating with them. And I have this sense that God is in the room today, and he just wants you to be with him. He just wants you to come and encounter who he is, regardless of who you are. God is so much bigger than all of our wounds. He's so much bigger than our sin. He's so much more powerful than our mistakes. And we see the proof of that in the cross where Jesus went to the cross on our behalf and he died and he shed his blood so that we could come to the table regardless of where we're at. And so I just want to say the ministry of God's presence is in this room and I feel your hunger for him in this space. I feel and sense how hungry you are for him. And so I just say, Come and be satisfied by the presence of God. Just allow his presence to come.
and encounter you right now. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be anything. Jesus did that all for you. And so, God, we just come and we sit at the table and we eat of your goodness and we drink of your mercy and we're satisfied by your presence today. We let the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good, we allow that to be manifested at the table and in our hearts today. We're going to taste and we're going to see that you're so good. You're so good. And your goodness is available to us today. And so I just see him moving across the room today and touching your heart and changing your minds and healing your bodies. And if you have a need today, just hold out your hands and let God meet that need with the ministry of his presence right now. If you have thoughts that have been oppressing you, just hand them over to God today and let the ministry of his presence heal your mind and transform it. If your emotions have just felt so painful, hold them out to God today and just submit them to the ministry of God's presence. If you so desire for breakthrough in your life, just lay your life down before God at the table and submit it to the ministry of his presence. And we, God, say, move in this space. We give you permission to move in this space with your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Pastor Chris is, uh, is speaking this morning, and, and we were kind of chatting this week, and man, bless this man. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. There we go. Did you guys notice that there are trees with yellow leaves on it? Yes, there are. Me and Jen saw that this morning, and I thought, what is going on in Alberta? Where is our summer? Well, a bunch of our people are enjoying summer somewhere else because they can't have it here, and we bless them so much. Crazy stuff. It's good to see Patrick here. Amen, amen. That's right. You know, it, it's, this morning was, it was amazing and awesome because, you know, we're often the loud church. Well, this morning we were the quiet church. And I was just thinking, it was so neat that Ken actually started talking about the husband and the wife because right when he was saying that, I was, God was just showing me this image, right, of, you know, just this picture of, you know, the wife's just like, is he ever going to say he loves me or this, you know? And I'm like, well, I told you once or twice. Isn't that enough, Right. But that our, our spouses are just always looking for that love and that kindness. And I've shared this before. Jen always says to me, especially at night, what do you love about me? <laughs> 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, what do you love about me? And it's like, oh, my goodness, I love everything. I've told you that 100 times. I know, but what? You know, I'm like, you want me to repeat myself? Yes, and say more, right? There is something about our words Right? Ken talked about both sides of it. Words carry the power of life and death. There's something about our words. And when we speak these things, when we declare these things, there's a power behind it. And as a family, when we start to believe this and know that, hey, I'm allowed to actually use my voice in this house too because I'm part of the family. And that's what we want you to know. You're part of the family. You're allowed to use your voice. But you're also allowed to be quiet. I always think about that. You know, the, the two awkwardest things sometimes for people is talking, because some people just don't like it, and the other one is silence. I mean, when there's silence in a room, it's awkward sometimes. You know, but in our family, it's kind of interesting, because I find when there's silence, it means we're comfortable with each other. We don't always have to talk, right? We can be quiet with each other. And so both are okay. Right? We need to actually learn how to function in all these things and learn how to actually speak to our God and just tell him we love him. Right? 
And that's what we had the opportunity to do this morning. So I just, I thank you guys so much for leading us in that. Did you feel just the intimate moment? Like there was an intimacy this morning. There was. And that intimacy, it's just powerful, right? Of just coming in the presence of the Lord and just being before our God. It's such a beautiful thing. I love the Lord. Well, I've got a few things to share today. I just wanted to kind of touch on one thing from last week. Uh, how many were here last week? Most of us, you heard Pastor Mark's message, and, you know, it was, it was great. Uh, I love just hearing him really talking about us, learning how to prefer one another, us learning how to not judge one another or prejudge one another, you know, and uh, just, to, just to always assume, in a sense, the best of one another, to think the best, to pray the best regardless, Right? I love that, and as he was sharing that, it, uh, it made me think of a story, and I just wanted to share that with you first, because there's a power behind what he was saying last week. It's, it's something we need to catch, because that's part of family again, is, you know, we're family whether you like it or not, just to be honest. We are the family of God. We have to learn how to love one another, and we need to learn to think the best of one another at all times, regardless if we're a little frustrated or not. Well, I remember years ago, me and Jen had uh, just come back from Uganda, and, uh, you know, this church in Grand Prairie wanted us to come speak at their church, and they were doing a missions conference, and so they had invited two other speakers, and we were the third speakers on the list. Now, they had a couple really good speakers. The first one, I don't know if anybody knows who Russell Standall is. Does anybody know who that is? He's wrote a ton of books. Yes, some of you do, right? He was a missionary in Colombia. He was kidnapped by the guerrillas. I mean, he's written a ton, ton of kids' books and all that, but he's also shared his testimony. He's actually fairly well-known. And so, I mean, he was speaking at this conference, and, I mean, when this guy started to share, I'm like, who am I? Like, why did they even invite me here? I mean, this guy is amazing. He's awesome. He's got story after story that I can't even come close to. I mean, when you're getting kidnapped by guerrillas and you're seeing, you know, we're talking about guerrillas, armies and stuff. When you see that kind of, okay, just making sure we got this clear, right? You know, when this kind of stuff is happening and the Lord actually pulls you out of it, I mean, there's powerful testimonies and stories, right? And he shared, and I was thinking to myself, man, this is a man of God. I want to be like this man. He's so awesome. You know, I couldn't wait to talk to him and stuff. And then they had this other fellow share. I'm not going to share his name. But, I mean, this other fellow, when he started to share, he got up, and he spent 30 minutes talking about his books, right? And I'm just sitting there going, how long are we going to do this for, right? 30 minutes, it was like he was talking about each book, going through all of them and stuff like that. And I was just sitting there, and I remember as clear as day, just going in my head. I'm like, this guy is driving me nuts. Like, he's just promoting himself. Are you going to share anything at some point, right? I remember these thoughts going through my head. And, and he did share something, but I actually had already kind of grabbed onto a judgment that I actually didn't hear most of what he said, that service. And I'm sure it was some good stuff, but I really don't even remember what it was. And so I remember the service had ended and stuff, and then, you know, all the speakers, uh, me and Jen got to share it apart and stuff like that. And then all the speakers got to go in this little room with food and stuff like that. You know, and so we're sitting in this room, and I talked to Russell Standall for a bit, and I'm like, oh, that was so good. And then this other speaker comes up to me, and he starts talking to me, right? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, okay, let's just get this over with because I want to move on. I want to go back and talk to Russell and do this. And as I'm sitting there talking to this guy, I felt like the Holy Spirit just wanted to discipline me, right? And I heard as clear as day, as clear as day, just sitting there and in my head, the attitudes are just floating around. Like, you all have been there, right? It doesn't matter. We all have those attitudes floating around, sometimes on Sundays too, right? We have those things floating around at times. And I remember those attitudes were floating around in my head. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, stand up tall, you're talking to a hero of the faith. And I'm like, what was that? You know, and I hear it again, stand up tall, you're talking to a hero of the faith. And you need to listen to him now. Well, that kind of shifts things, right, when you hear that. And all of a sudden, I just said, okay, I'm going to listen to him. And he had, my, he had my ear. And I'm telling you, this guy has smuggled Bibles into almost every country in the world. 
led thousands upon thousands of people to salvation in places that I've never even heard of. And here I was, this guy, ready to write him off just because of 15, 20 minutes of something I did or didn't like, right? There is a challenge in this, is the body of Christ. We have to become family. We have to become family. You know, this is the theme. It's like it's just popping up everywhere. You know, we have to become family. We have to understand that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us. And we need to get on the same page as him. Can we say amen to that? It's true. We need to do it. It is. Thanks, Cam. You know, um, everybody just put your hand up for a second. Let me see. Well, come on, Jimmy. A little higher. Put your left hand up. Let's, I'm just going to make sure you're all with me. Okay, can everybody say something? The Lord is with me. Let's say it one more time. The Lord is with me. Okay, at the end of this message, when you leave here, regardless of what you think of what I said, right, I want you to leave here remembering this. That regardless of how you came into this place today, that the Lord is with you. All right? That's something we need to get into our heart, actually, because our mind doesn't seem to comprehend this, that the Lord is with me. No matter what's going on right now, no matter how hard it looks, the Lord is with me. Amen? Amen. All right, let's do this. Well, you know, I I was trying to think of a title, and I had multiple different ones, but uh, it's interesting where God takes us sometimes in the service, but I was thinking almost, you know, of calling this like the Valley of Discouragement. I know, a really uplifting, you know, title to a message. You guys are like, oh, I want to fall asleep already, right? Well, stay awake, right? Don't judge me, remember, right? Stay with me. Um, But I've been thinking a lot about this. It's been on my heart for a few weeks. I've had a certain message kind of coming in and out of my heart, and then there's been moments where, you know, uh, Mark uh, DuPont came in, and he spoke a little bit about Elijah, you know, and Mark's talked a lot about faith recently, right? And uh, this is an important thing to understand because I actually look at discouragement or doubt and all that. Well, it's actually the opposite of faith. Right? It's on the other end of the spectrum, right? And I mean, these are two things that uh, discouragement is like an anchor. It really is, right? It's like an anchor. And when it gets attached to you, right, I mean, it just sucks you down to the bottom. And discouragement is something. It just doesn't let go easy. You know, how many of you have been in a discouraging place at times? Like, let's just show our hands because it's, it's pretty much everybody. We've all had discouragement in our life. And I know right now that some of you are actually in that place of discouragement. And it's not an easy place. And that if we allow discouragement to actually take root, it becomes that anchor that takes us down so, so quickly, you know. But then we talk about faith. And, and I love hearing the messages about faith right? I do. I love it. It's about faith. 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 And then at the end of the day, I I keep asking this question when I go home. Where's the switch? Right? Like, who doesn't want faith? No one's going to put you. Who wants more faith? Let's put it. It's all of us. We want more faith, but where's the switch, Vernon? I want the switch. Like, if the switch is there, flick it on right now because it changes everything, Right? But that switch is just sometimes hard to find, right? Where is it? Now, is it prayer? Is it this? Is it that? Where is the switch? Well, I don't necessarily have the answer for you today, right? I don't. I'm like, I I don't know fully because I'm actually not in that place where I'm always operating with full faith, right? Like that doubt does creep in. And in fact, I don't even notice it when it does. It slips in. And it tries to take root. And then that tug of war is on, right, of that doubt or the faith, the discouragement or the faith. And I I honestly, I do this faith, faith, faith. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, right? But at the end of the day, I want it to actually be inside of my heart, right? And I've been asking the Lord, what does that look like? What does it look like to have faith rule my heart? And so today I'm going to get into a couple stories uh, from the Bible, two of them are very familiar. I want to talk about Gideon. Who loves the story of Gideon, right? I mean, you know, there's a pretty famous one in there. We're going to start a little before that one, but we are going to touch on it. And then I want to touch on Elijah as well. But I want us to really grab this because I really believe this discouragement 
this negative thinking, this stuff that wants to grab a hold of us. It's the art of distraction. Right? It's really what it is. I mean, do we all believe that God has a plan for each of us? Right? He does. He has a plan for every single one of you in this room. But we have an enemy. And the enemy is really good at trying to distract us. He's really good at actually trying to throw things at us that will discourage us and almost destroy us on the inside. And he just loves it when we take the bait. He wants us to take that bait. You know, they, they, they share this even in the schools. Uh, it's just a natural human thing. I'm not sure why. But if I were to tell you, you guys have heard this before, if I were to tell you 10 uh, positive things about you and then I told you one negative, what are you going to focus on? But tell me culture hasn't conditioned us. Tell me the world hasn't conditioned us when that's what we do. Right? Like you really got to think about that. Why is it that we instantly go to the one? Right? Like, why not the other ones? It's, no, I'm going to grab the one. But to me, that's just, that's just the way the enemy works. Right? If I can get you so focused on the one, you're not focusing on the fact there were ten amazing things, and you can actually get to where you're supposed to go. There is a call on your life, all these wonderful things, but hey, you know, you got bad breath. I don't know, whatever it is. This little, tiny, little, silly thing that gets thrown. you got bad shoes. You don't dress well. I don't know. Now, Cam dresses very well, doesn't he? Cam has changed my life when it comes to dress, right? It's true. My wife used to tell me I dress like a bum, right? Or a jock or a redneck. Sporty, not spice. I'm not a spice person, right? Now, I'm not going there with you. I refuse that one, right? Right? But Cam, you know, he taught me the art of learning how to dress good, right? It's a value village. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can go shopping there, and for five bucks, you can get some pretty nice shirts, right? Oh, yeah, this is pretty good. All you're thinking are all my clothes. They're not all from value village, no, they're not. But if they were, I would be very excited, because now I look for the gold at value village. Absolutely. But there's something in us that gets caught on that negative stuff right? All the time. Now, I want to get into uh, Gideon. I, I just love Gideon, and I just love this story. Like, I, I've, I heard this story before I was a Christian, and so even when I became a Christian and, and people started sharing it again, I was like, I just love the story of Gideon, right? I just think, you know, and again, when we think of Gideon, what do we think about? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Gideon's army, right? What else? What's that? Oh, the fleece, yes. Some fear, what? Thank you. Like, this is a big part of it, right? The clay pots, you know, the jars, the torches, and everybody that wants to fight a battle, that's exactly what you need, right? It makes lots of sense, you know? Like, I love this because it makes zero sense at all. Makes no sense. But I actually want to start a little bit earlier because uh, I was reading chapter 6, before chapter 7. This isn't Judges, so let's flip over there. Judges chapter 6. Now, you guys can try to stay with me. If it doesn't work, it's okay. I'm going to read some of this, but I'm going to be kind of all over. Um, So when we start in chapter 6, we're actually starting where, you know, God's a little annoyed at the Israelites at this point, right? He's a little frustrated with them because of some of the behavior. And I mean, they've been worshiping idolatry, you know, the God of Baal and others, you know. And so when we read verse 1, I just want you to hear this. This is kind of the start of this. Verse 1 in chapter 6, it says again, The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites fled to the mountains where they made hiding places for themselves in caves and dens. I mean, so this, is, this isn't starting too good. And as we go through this, we begin to learn some of the things that were actually happening to the Israelites. Some of these things weren't too good. I mean, if we were to go through each of them, right, um, the Midianites were very cruel, so cruel, right? The Israelites would hide. So what does cruelty mean? I don't know. Were they bullying them? Were they picking on them? Were they making fun of them? I don't know what the cruelty was exactly. But then it goes a little bit further. They, they weren't just cruel to them. Well, they actually took all their crops, right? 
took all the crops. They didn't just take their crops, though. They took their livestock, right? All the livestock. So can you imagine, you know, just the thinking that was going through the people, right? We have no food. We don't have homes. We're running. These people are so mean to us. This is so hard to function, to live. I can't do anything. Can you imagine how easy it would be to slip into discouragement, to slip into self-pity, to slip into the world's never going to get any better and how bad it is and all this stuff? Well, I just want to slip down a little bit because uh, this is an interesting statement. Now, this is an angel talking to Gideon, right? All of this is going on, and in verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let's really think about that for a minute. Right? Can you imagine? Like, think about this. You come up to me and you tell me all your problems and how bad they are. And I'm telling you, we have seen this in the church, right? You know, you hear all the problems and then it's like, well, Jen, the Lord is with you. I'll pray for you, right? I mean, let's be serious for a second, right? I've actually had that happen. You share your story. You share the stuff, and someone says, I'll pray for you, or the Lord is with you. I mean, there's a part of me on the inside, so I just want to punch that guy in the face, right? Has he not heard what I just said? Things are going bad, but he's not siding with my story. He's not joining in. He's not giving me any sympathy. He's just looking at me, and he's saying, well, the Lord's with you. Thank you, right? Thank you. Well, again, think about this, because this is, this is what the angel says to Gideon. It's the right response. It's the true response. We, we got to catch that. The Lord is with you. Regardless of what it is, it was exactly what needed to be said at that moment. It doesn't matter how hard it is right now. The Lord is with you, mighty hero. Right? Oh, thank you. Well, let's listen to Gideon, because Gideon, he didn't get excited about this, right? He wasn't going, yeah, you're right. Gideon says, well, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I mean, I hear that conversation today. Where are all the miracles? Where's this? Where's this? Where's that? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? I mean, how many of you felt that? I feel handed right over to the enemy. Like, that's where I am, man. Like, yeah, thanks, the Lord's with me, but let me tell you the reality. It's not good. You've abandoned us. I feel quite alone. Well, the Lord gives him a lot of response on what he was just saying. This is the Lord. It says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with strength you have, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Menidianites. I am sending you. Exclamation mark. He doesn't listen to a word he just said. Uh, it's true. Right? He actually bypassed all of those frustrations, all of those. I don't want to say whining because it's real stuff, though, right? It is real stuff. It's really hard, isn't it? It actually is. It's really, really, really hard. But the Lord just is like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Good for you. This is what I want you to do, though. And then he goes on to say this, though. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Menidianites as if you were fighting against one man. Oh, my goodness. Did you just hear that? Yeah, let's say that again. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Menidianites as if you were fighting against one man. Picture right now in your head. Oh, if you can just picture it, whatever it is, whatever the stuff is, right? Because we have, we've had these exact same conversations, almost to a T with our, with our father, to a T. 
But he's not focused on the issue. He's not focused on the problem. He's actually focused on each and every one of us going forward. He's actually waiting us to catch his heart there too. Of realizing this, that if you go forward, and if you are honoring me, your problem, it's nothing. It's as if you're fighting against one man, right? That's pretty powerful. So we know the Lord speaks to Gideon, and he tells him what he's about to do. You know, this is the famous part of, of uh, the story in Judges, right? But we know Gideon still has doubt, right? And so, yes, he has to lay his fleeces. He has to do it a couple times, right? And, you know, the Lord has enough grace with him to actually, you know, you know show him, yes, this is what I want you to do. And he does actually honor that, and he actually does you know, honor these fleeces he's laying before him. How many of you have done that? How many of you have laid a fleece before the Lord? Right? Okay, the Lord still does this stuff. Sometimes he's like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm not doing this today, but other times he does it for us because we just need it, right? And this happens with Gideon. And then Gideon's told exactly what to do. And I mean, Gideon's given these simple instructions. I want you to go tear down, you know, the statues of Baal and the pole of, what is it, Ashar, right? This is what you're going to go do. Oh, Sure. Now, now, think about this, right? I was thinking about whether it's in Venezuela or other places. I mean, they have statues of gods, lust gods in the middle of the streets. You know, you go to other places, they've got all these statues and stuff like that, right? And we're told we're just going to go destroy them, right? It's like us going downtown right now in Edmonton. I mean, whether we've got certain sidewalks that are now claimed for the LGBT or this, but we're going to go and destroy all this stuff. I mean, how's that going to go for us? Well, probably as good as it went for Gideon, right? Because it didn't go so well, right? Because here's what the people say. The people said to each other after he did it, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, they shouted to Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole, right? I mean, this is this is a reality now. He goes and does what the Lord tells him, and now he's got everybody after him, and they want to go kill him. I mean, this doesn't look too good. But then we know the story, right, that eventually, you know, he's preparing for battle. He's getting his soldiers together, all 32,000 of them, right? That's not a bad number, right? We know as the story goes, well, hey, we're going to drop off, what is it, 22,000 right away? Boom, gone. Okay, now Gideon doesn't seem to make too much of a response, but how would you respond to that? You've got to remember, when they actually saw the Midianites and all that, when they looked at them, they, it was as far as the eye could see. And it just wasn't the people. It was the camels. It was, you could see the camels as far as the eye could see. They're everywhere. But yes, I'm going to take your army of 32,000, and I'm going to dwindle it down to 10,000. Okay, I can handle that. 10,000 is still a good number, right? Decent number. All right. Well, why don't we take another 9,700 of those soldiers and pull them out, and we're going to send the 300. The 300. And then, of course, we're reminded that, uh, you know, thank you whoever said it here, you know, we're, we're going to bring jars, we're going to bring torches, we're going to bring trumpets. <laughs> Have you ever been in a spot where you're going through something, and the answer of the Lord just seems so ridiculous? It just seems like there's no possible way that could be the Lord. So, in fact, we actually don't go anywhere because we think to ourselves, there's no way that can be the Lord. Let me tell you something. This makes no sense at all. It makes zero sense in our human minds to take that army down to 300 people. But again, God's all about showing who he is, who, what he can do in his power, right? That's what he does. And we know that, of course, they go into battle, they do their thing, you know, they, they stick the torches in the jars, they blow the trumpets, and, I mean, these guys start scattering because they're confused, they start killing each other, and, of course, he wins the battle, right? And so when we go through this, we realize something. We have to go through the battle. That's part of the journey, too, right? Gideon's given all this stuff. But he had to go through the battle. And it took a lot of faith to go through the battle. Now, how many of you want joy in your life? How many of you want joy? Okay, because can you drum up joy? No, you just can't. Like, it's another one of those things. It's like faith. Flick on the switch. I just want to be happy. Yeah, come on. It just doesn't happen, right? But let me ask you something. When they finished that battle, do you think they had any joy? 
what do you think they might have done? <laughs> do you think they partied? Do you think they celebrated? I think they did all that stuff, right? Because it's the right time for joy. It's the right time to celebrate. In fact, when you see God do that stuff, you can't contain yourself. You just can't. Let me tell you something. Each of us in this room are meant to go through the battle. Some of us don't like that. But we're all meant to go through the battle. In fact, the lessons are often in the battle. Do you want to know where the faith comes from? Getting through the battle. Right? We've got to fight to get through the battle because each time we do that, our faith is increased. Oh, it's just this now. Right? I mean, when those, you've done this already in many areas. And when those things come against you, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's just that now. No problem. No problem. No problem. Because you've been through that one. Then the next battle seems a little bit bigger and a little bit harder. And we want to falter back to those old ways. That's why I want to talk about Elijah, because Elijah was just like that, right? Let's flip over to Elijah. Does everybody remember the Elijah story? I'm not going to spend as much time in there, but I do want to spend some time in that, right? But let me pray something first. We, we need faith to get through the battle, don't we? We do. And I want to pray. I actually want to pause and pray because I feel for some of you right now, right? I just feel it. It's like I'm in the thick of the battle. And even as these words are spoken, there's a bit of this, yeah, okay, I don't even want to listen to this anymore because you just don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know. I know this is a little harsh, but I, I don't want to focus on I want to focus on this. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. God actually wants to take you somewhere. He wants to do something with you. He wants you completely freed right? He actually does have a destiny for you. He has an amazing plan for you. What he doesn't want you to do is to get stuck in the middle of the battle or to not even enter the battle at all. So, Father, I pray right now that uh, for myself, for everybody in this room, God, we need faith to get through the battle. God, teach us how to do this. May we not try to take the shortcuts. May we not uh, say no to the battles because we're too scared. God, teach us how to do this. Give us faith. Give us faith. Give us faith. And God, give us discernment to listen to your voice as you speak to each of us. You actually have a plan in place right now for every single one of us. It's available to us as we listen to that still small voice wanting to speak to each of us right now about how to get through our current circumstance. God, give us the faith to trust the voice when it comes and give us the faith to take the steps necessary to actually see us overcome the battle and win it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, when we go into Elijah, you know, it's, uh, it's a similar story, right? So we're in 1 Kings chapter 18, right? And uh, let me just flip over there. Now, I made a mistake. I was uh, marking my Bible. I love doing that. How many mark your Bible? I grabbed the wrong marker. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like everything is highlighted now. So I have no clue because it went through the pages on both sides. And so I was a little frustrated with myself. So I'm looking at it. That's why I said that. All right. It's like, why did you do that? It just went through my head. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Elijah here. And uh, I love this story. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, We're talking about the Mount Carmel battle that takes place. And Elijah witnesses the Lord do a pretty phenomenal miracle there, right? And uh, so let me see, where do I want to start? Um, Yeah, I'm going to start on verse 18 here. It says, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are troublemakers. You have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the image of Baal instead. Now bring the people of Israel to Mount Carmel with all 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said... How long are you going to waver between two opinions? This is a powerful statement. I I, I just need to pause there. Because we're actually in a culture right now 
Baal, call it whatever you want, call it idolatry. We're actually in a culture right now where we're seeing a lot of this in front of our face, right? And even as believers, we're actually having to make a decision. We are. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent, right? And now we know as we go through this, um, I don't know if we need to read all of it, but we know that uh, I just love Elijah because, you know, the prophets of Baal and all that are trying to summon up their God, you know, to bring the fire and all that stuff. And we know they go through all this stuff and the fire doesn't come. So what's Elijah say to them? Oh, maybe he doesn't hear you today. Maybe you should be a little louder, right? A little bit of sarcasm to him. He kind of pokes him a little bit. So they try again and stuff. Nothing happens. Nothing at all happens, right? So then we know it's, uh, it's Elijah's turn. Then Elijah called the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar. And he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the Lord's altar. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill the large jars with water and pour the water over the offering of wood. After they had done this, he said to them, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did it. They did as he said, and the water ran over the altar and even overflowed the trench. As a customary time for offering uh, the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, walked up to the altar and prayed. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so, those, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bulls, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the ditch. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and cried out, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Yes. Right? Yes. This is the God you and I serve. We realize that, right? This is the God we serve. If he can do that, he can take care of your stuff too. This is the God we serve. So you got to think, this is Elijah who just has this amazing experience. Amazing God moment. I mean, if you've seen that, you guys would be freaking out. I would be freaking out. I mean, I'd be not running all over Canada. I'd be all over the world. This is what I've seen him do. This is who he is. We can do anything. You know, well, God doesn't stop there. I mean, then we know Elijah's praying for rain, and he's telling uh, Ahab, let's get some food and all that, and he's got his servant to continue to go out, and they're waiting for a cloud in the sky, and they know when the cloud comes, it's time to go, because if they don't go by then, they're going to get in trouble because there's going to be too much rain, right? Well, this is an interesting part because this is another pretty powerful moment in Elijah's life. And sure enough, the sky was soon black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Are you hearing that? 25 miles, estimated. 25 miles. He outruns a chariot. Can you imagine? I mean, this is the living flash is who we're talking about, right? It is. It's the living flash. He has given this supernatural ability to do something that, I'm sorry, we just can't do this. Usain Bolt would not be able to do this. It just wouldn't happen. I mean, this is what God has done in Elijah's journey. And we all know this. Soon after this, what does he hear? Jezebel's coming after you, right? The first sign of something bad. Now, Jezebel you know, a formidable uh, opponent, right, I guess you could say. But I mean the fear that kicks in him. Well, what does he do? He runs and he goes and he finds a cave. He hides in the cave. I mean, then the Lord's whispering to, the, whispering to him, and I believe he's whispering to many of us. Elijah, what are you doing in the cave? 
Elijah, what are you doing in the cave? Do you not see the same kind of thing as Gideon goes through? Do you not see what's going on? I'm the last one. I'm alone. I'm by myself. There's nobody else. I mean, do we ever feel lonely in this faith? Do we ever feel like there's nobody else out there who gets it? I, I'm by myself. I'm done. I'm trapped. There's nothing I can do. I mean, he just hides. But eventually we know the Lord finally convinces him, get out of your cave. He goes about his business. He continues to do what he's supposed to do. And eventually we know he's taken up in a whirlwind, right? One of only two people in the Bible who are raptured and just automatically taken up to be with the Father, right? It's a powerful story. And so when I read that, I I just can't help but think of our journey. I can't help but think of how often we fall into the same mindset. And this is so you don't get discouraged, This is so you realize we're talking about Elijah. We're talking about Gideon. We're talking about some pretty formidable people in the faith. This is the reality. This this happens to all of us, right? But he's trying to actually get us to a certain place. He's trying to get our faith so high. But in order to actually build our faith, we have to get through our current circumstances. Mark DuPont said something here, and I wrote it down when he was here for his last conference, he said this, learn to believe God despite the outward situation. We realize the enemy is trying to steal from us every single day. There are always going to be situations and circumstances in front of us. For some reason, there's a part of us that gets caught on the distraction part of the enemy. The snare the scare tactic. It's what it is. It's, it's a scare tac- tactic to actually get us to a place where we're not functioning, where we're not moving at all. And we get caught on our current circumstances. What's right in front of us? And I think the Lord is saying this to us. You've got to focus on the redemption part of the story. You've got to focus on what I've done. Do you not remember who I am? Do you not remember what I've already done with you? How many things have I taken you through already? Do you think for some reason that I have forgotten about you? Actually, there's way more to it. In fact, I'm trying to train you and equip you for something. I'm trying to train you to be battle ready. So if you can get through this battle, you're going to learn something. It's going to build your faith, and you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, I was thinking about a time I went uh, quadding with my stepdad. Are there any quarters in here? There's a couple quarters. You can flip the illustration however you want. But I remember this. We went quadding the one day, and we're going through all these trails. And there's a lot of mud in there, too. And I don't know, like, when you're quadding and you see mud, it's like you just got to go through the mud at times, right? It's like I want to go through the mud. And there was a big mud pit. And my stepdad even said to me, he's like, yeah, you probably don't want to go through that one. That one's a little bit too much mud. You're probably going to get stuck. Let's not go through that one. And I was like, oh, okay. And we're driving around, and then I see it again and again. And I look at my stepdad, and I said, no, I'm pretty sure I can make it through that. He said, I don't think you can. And I'm like, yeah, well, is that like a bet or a dare, right? I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I can get through that. And he says, fine. If you want to try it, then go for it. So, of course, I go and turn around, and I come, and I pin it, and I'm going right through it, and I'm ready to do it. Well, I get stuck right in the middle of it, right? I mean, there's mud up to my waist, right, up to the top. And my stepdad just looks at me and goes, told you, right? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, that sucks because now we've got to get it out. Well, let me tell you something, man. Like, we would have done anything to get our quads out. It didn't matter what it was. We never thought for one minute we're not going to get our quads out, right? It didn't matter. It was in our head already. Whatever it takes, the quad's coming out of the hole, Right? I don't care. We got to hook up the winch to a tree, to this, to that, this. We got to call somebody in to hell. I don't care. I'm taking that quad home. Right? Well, of course we got it out. Right? But there were some lessons learned in the mud. There's always lessons learned in the mud. Right? There are. And I had to ask myself, well, am I going to do that again? No, I learned something. And there's my stepdad. Told you so, right? Of course. There's always a lesson learned in the mud. Always. There's something in us 
You know, think about this. We'll, we'll do anything sometimes for our cars, for quads, for this. We'll fight for it. But will we do the same for ourselves? To have that same mindset, whatever it takes to get out of the mud, that's what I'm going to do. It don't matter how deep it is, I'm getting out. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems because we serve a God who's into the impossible. I'm getting out of the mud. I'm getting out of the mud. I'm getting out of the mud. I'm not staying stuck here because staying stuck here means I never actually get to see my future. I never get to see what God wants to do. I'm going to win this battle and this war because there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more, and I want to be part of the more. So I absolutely refuse to be stuck here, no matter what. Learn the lesson and move on, right? That's what we're called to. Now, I had another good story about Caleb, but I'll share that for another time because we only got a couple minutes left. We need to have faith to get through this battle. And one of the things we need to start doing is actually, you know where the Bible says, words carry the power of life and death, right? As a man believes in his heart, so he is. It starts with us declaring this, believing this. Again, declaring doesn't mean we don't go through the battle, right? He's still going to go through the battle. I'm sorry. It's just the reality. We're going to go through the battles, right? It makes me think of uh, when I played football, right? Uh, how many are the football fans? Jeremy, I know you are, right? You know, I always think, do you realize that the world does a lot of declaring, right? They do a lot of declaring. And before every football game we played, you know, we had a bunch of guys who came together in our tight little pants, our shoulder pads and our little suits, and we got in this little huddle and we said things like, we're going to do this, we're going to take them down, right? We've got them, we're going to beat them. Last time they played us, they beat us 52 to 7, but we're going to take them down, we're going to destroy them, Right? Yeah, and then we pat each other on the butt. We do these weird things. They make absolutely zero sense, right? And then we all go storming on the field, right? We still had to play the game, right? Just because we declared it doesn't mean you don't have to play the game. You have to. You have to fight the battle. That's just part of it. I'm sorry. It's part of You don't get to skip that. Because in the middle of the game, you learn your weaknesses, you learn your strengths, you learn how to do new things. You learn it all. Don't forsake the battle. You want more faith? Go through the battle. Go through the battle. Be willing to fight. Be willing to fight every single time. Because as you get through these battles in your life, you're going to overcome. Who are the pillars in heaven? The ones who overcome. Right? We are called to overcome. It's going to build your faith. It's going to shift things. So I want to pray this morning because we're out of time. But I want to read something to you I found real quick. Just before I do it, this. He doesn't want you living in the valley of discouragement. The only way out is to get out. Right? It's the mud. Get out of it. I know, easier said than done. But start the process going forward and remember this. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Let me read something to you. I have no clue what this is called. I just stumbled onto it. And I don't know. I think it's a song or a poem. And I don't normally end with songs and poems and all that. Della's going to love this. I'm getting my brownie points with Della right here. All right. So I just want you to listen to this. Uh, I think it's pretty powerful. So maybe you know what it is, Della. I don't know. It says this. When you lead me to the valley of vision, I can see you in the heights. And though my humbling wouldn't be my decision, it's here your glory shines so bright. So let me learn that the cross precedes the crown. To be low is to be high. That the valleys where you make me more like Christ... Let me find your grace in the valley. Let me find your life in my death. Let me find your joy in my sorrow, your wealth in my need. That you're near with every breath in the valley. In the daytime, there are stars in the heavens, but, the, but they only shine at night. And the deeper that I go into darkness, the more I see their radiant light. So let me learn that my losses are my gain. To be broken is to heal. That the valley's where your power is revealed. 
That's powerful. I don't know who wrote it. Oh, God, teach us to get through the valley. Teach us. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe if we have one person go on piano, whoever. So my word to you this morning is simple. God is with you. He's actually never not been with you. In every battle that you've been in, he's been sitting right beside you. He's got his hand extended, saying, just come on, trust me to go the direction I keep telling you to go. It's going to be okay. Yeah, but it looks like a battle in front of me. I know. I know. But guess what? I'm actually going in front of you. I'm leading the way. I've told you to do this. Guess what? It's going to be as if you're going against one man. I know it doesn't seem like that. I know it seems impossible. I know it seems hard. And there's a part of you that actually just wants to put yourself into neutral. We almost get paralyzed in the midst of our fear. But God's got big plans for us. He does want to shift the culture in our city. He does want to see idolatry destroyed. He does want to see us become the sons and the daughters that we're called to be. He does want to see us have victory after victory after victory, building our faith so that we can actually take a next step and a next step to see our city, to see our province, to see our country changed, healed, and delivered. But it starts with the body of Christ realizing I can get through the battle. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you are so good. You are with us. There's something in us that in our hearts and in our minds, we, we just don't think you are. And at times we default to the lies of the enemy that we're abandoned, we're left alone, you're not here, you're not with us. But you're right beside us. And Father, I pray for each heart, each soul in here, that if right now they've sided with discouragement, doubt, fear, frustration, whatever it is that has held them down, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would sever that, break that, destroy that, release them from serving that. And may each one in here today say this, God is with me, then who can be against me? Nobody. Nobody. So I don't really have a planned package here to close this. All I know is this, is I know there's people in here who are discouraged. And yeah, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray, but I know this, that God is going to challenge you to take those steps of faith. He's going to challenge you to move forward. He's going to challenge you to take some risks. He's going to challenge you to trust him. Because that's what we need to do. So I'm going to close the service. And if you need to go, you can go. But if you want prayer, I'm just going to ask you to come to the altar. We are going to pray for you. Right? We want to pray for Kareen's son as well. So, you know, we'd love for you to come up to the front. We have uh, our team wants to, to join with you in prayer. So let's just close our eyes one more time. Father, bless these people as they go. Bless them today. Tomorrow, bless them at work. Bless them when they're with their family. Bless them in the moment when it feels impossible. Remind them that you're with them, that you've got them, that you're going to take them through it. God, bless these people and let them know that the Son of the Most High King is with them, walking with them, guiding them, leading them, loving them, caring for them, and is never abandoning them, never leaving their side, but always there 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you need prayer, I just want you to come to the front. If you just want to spend some time with the Lord, come to the front. And we just want to pray for you. Can I ask some of the ministry team, too, just to come forward as we do that?